One of my favorite quotes from Krista DNC, who's one of my mentors in the birth trauma world, is that trauma is not the same as hardship. It's a central nervous system response. It's not a failure of optimism, grit, strength, resilience, or gratitude. So you can both be grateful and have trauma. Hello, you're listening to Not Another Wellness Podcast. My name is Natalie Dillinger, and I'm so excited that you're here listening to this episode. And I can't wait to share it with you. Just to give you a heads up about what you're going to hear today, I sat down with Genevieve Russell. Genevieve has been in the pregnancy and parenting world for the past 20 years as a birth worker a psychotherapist, a support group host, and she's witnessed 450 births and has helped countless families through the transitions of parenting and motherhood, trauma, birth processing, and so much more. We spent time chatting about her new phase of life, becoming a grandmother this year, and what that's meant to her. And then we really dive into birth trauma, why it happens, what it is, how you can prepare for your birth, and then explaining what doulas and birth workers are, something I really didn't know much about, and she has some really good insight there. Genevieve actually helped me process my birth, which was incredibly helpful for me, and I am so grateful for the work that she does and for the wisdom that she shares on this episode. If you want to know more about Genevieve, I've linked all of her information in the show notes, so links to her Uh, doula page, her psychotherapy page, all the support groups that she offers, and then some other links that she recommended and we touched on in the episode, like a database of doulas internationally where you can find someone in your area. Same thing with therapists who are trained in the perinatal period. So check that out. And without any further ado, I'm so excited to share this conversation. Here we go. Welcome back to Not Another Wellness Podcast, and I'm here with Genevieve Russell. Hi, Genevieve. Oh, hi, Natalie. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so, so grateful already for this conversation and for what's to come, and there's so much to cover. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we dive into the meat of the interview, I wanted to ask you, how how's your summer been, and has anything, I mean, I know personally for you, but has there anything <laughs> you want to share going on in your life that really lights you up right now? Um, my face is smiling from ear to ear because this, um, summer I became a grandmother and, uh, my beloved children had their first baby. And so I've been in the pregnancy parenting world for, you know, over 20 years, love all the professional work that I get to do, but to be able to bring in a grandbaby and witness, uh, my kiddos parenting, it's just beyond anything I could have dreamed of. Um, so yes, I am Oma Genevieve um, to beloved little Memphis girl. Oh my gosh, so exciting. <laughs> and for everyone who knows you personally, we're just so excited for this phase of your life, just how much you give to moms, like to be able to give that back to your own kids, you know, like, and their baby. It's just, it's so special to see. 
Yeah, it's quite special. And I, I think when I get to spend um, 10 weeks during their postpartum time supporting their family, and I think one of the big arguments was who is luckier. <laughs> they kept yeah. saying, like, it's so great to have a like live in postpartum doula. And I kept saying, it's so great to be a grandma who gets to spend yes. time with these beloved. Wonderful. And like, oh, if we could all have you <laughs> for the first 10 weeks of our baby's lives, I can only imagine um, how that could create such a cool impact. So yes, both equally very lucky. So today I wanted to touch on, um, since obviously you help in many, one of the many ways you support families, one of the things you do is help people process, prepare and process what happens after birth. Yep. And you helped me personally process my birth. Um, and it ended up, you know, really helping me like dissect emotion from events and like understand different points in time and just be able to kind of conceptualize what was such a big, incredibly moving <laughs> experience for me. So when I was thinking mm-hmm. I'd love to do an episode on preparing for birth, birth, postpartum, if if and when maybe, I guess you should say some people have an experience that is hard to process or difficult in some way, mm-hmm. um, what that can look like. So before we start, just thank you so much for the work that you do. It, mm-hmm. it truly changed everything for me. <laughs> and I I think the concept of birth for some people or and postpartum is really scary, not to use scary, but like it was for me, it was overwhelming, kind of mm-hmm. hard to wrap my head around. Um, and I think it's not talked about enough that that experience is so powerful at times that it can have some kind of lingering effect. It will always be remembered. I think, I don't think anyone, any person who has a baby can say they forget what birth was like, mm-hmm. no matter what happens. But um the one thing that came up for me was obviously I ended up having a birth and having a healthy baby and I was healthy on the other side eventually. <laughs> and it was confusing when people would say things like, well, at least, or one, they would say, well, every woman goes through it. And then at least you and your baby are healthy. You should be grateful. Mm. Um, and that caused me some kind of internal conflict because I was, I was obviously feeling incredibly grateful to have been able to be pregnant to yeah. have had a birth that went to term. I mean, there's so many things that were yeah. wonderfully, you know, I don't know, so much to be grateful for. However, I was stuck uh, late up at night, kind of circulating these images of my birth and these thoughts and just felt utterly kind of um, like, how can I also have this feeling too of just mm-hmm. maybe confusion? Mm-hmm. So to talk high level about birth and just to narrow in on the birth trauma piece, this is obviously not just something that I experienced. Um, why does this happen at yeah. all? And why can birth be considered traumatic yep. with your experience? Absolutely. It's such an important um, topic to talk about. And I just want to name that I've learned a lot professionally, but really I learned the most from the families, the hundreds of families I've worked with. So I've been a birth doula for 450 births. I've been in the room and not all those births were traumatic. Um, And then as a psychotherapist working with people either before they've, they're ready to give birth with some of those questions and concerns that you're talking about, 
or afterwards that sort of like what happened. <clears throat> and I, th- I want to um, just kind of break it down a little bit, the difference between a difficult birth and a traumatic mm. birth. Um, because birth can be difficult and some people won't feel traumatized by it. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite, one of my favorite quotes from Krista Dancy, who's one of my mentors in the birth trauma world is that trauma is not the same as hardship. Mm-hmm. It's a central nervous system response. It's not a failure of optimism, grit, strength, resilience, or gratitude. So you can both be grateful and have trauma. Wow. And yeah. that I think is really important to delineate. Um, because, and and the, some of the good intention, well, you have a happy baby or you have a happy, you know, that mom is healthy, so we should just be grateful, um, really minimizes the impact of the trauma. And especially on the dyad or triad of the birthing person, the new baby partner, um, <clears throat> it can really sort of like, oh, we're supposed to just be grateful and then put the trauma behind us. But it's the trauma is not a cognitive thing. You can't think yourself into gratitude. It's the central nervous system. It's the um, body and nervous system response to what felt scary. Mm-hmm. And because when we're in birth and whether it's cesarean planned unplanned vaginal birth like any of the configurations um there's actually not a higher incidence in one kind of birth i've seen home births feel traumatic i've seen cesarean births feel you know very peaceful and calm so it can be the whole range outside of what we imagine it to be um, it's really um, my other favorite quote from Cheryl Beck is it's in that traumas in the eye of the beholder. Mm. So if somebody says that didn't feel good, that's what happened, right? That's that's the nerve, truth. That's right. the truth, exactly. No matter so you can't compare it to anything else, exactly. And and to not minimize by saying, you know, again, I think it's a good intention of like healthy baby, healthy mama, we're good. Um, but that I think can really minimize what did happen. So instead of trying to minimize it, which makes maybe other people's jobs or lives easier to really slow down and check in. What was that like for you? That makes so much sense. Yeah. And, and just like allowing all of this to be, and just kind of trusting the mom or trusting the birthing person to say Mm -hmm. their experience is uniquely theirs. And we should listen and believe these, you know, people when they're sharing that there's something to be worked through here, instead of looking at it from an outside perspective and thinking, you know, the facts or thinking, you know, what happened Mm -hmm. and just saying, Oh, that was an easy birth or that was a hard birth. It's like, there's no place for anyone else's judgment here. It's just your own. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, and one of the things I remember talking with you about, and for me was, uh, which was helpful, was how you you were mentioning like the impact or the state of the brain, um, yeah. almost not being more vulnerable to, or, or just to being kind of this like very primal part of the brain. Can you speak on that a little bit? Because that like really resonated for me. Yes, absolutely. Um, so when we go into labor, I think this is where I started before, when we go into labor, whether it's planned or unplanned, whether it's, you know, 
however the baby comes out, we go to a different part of our brain to physiologically have a baby. Sometimes people will call it labor land, um, but that place we go to in the brain is very primal. It's the same reason why if interrupted, um, that labor will slow down. It's sort of the gift of if I'm in the middle of labor and I get in a car, my labor may, sometimes not always, uh, slow down because the primal brain says, we don't want to birth this baby in the car. Right. Sometimes babies come fast and they do anyway. But um, but that primal brain can get interrupted and, and slow or stop the process. And I've seen that a lot in labors. Um, and because we go to that primal part of our brain to birth, when there's trauma, that psychophysiological impact actually um, impacts a different part of the brain. The external trauma symptoms are still the same as other trauma. So some of the symptoms we might see are intrusions. Mm. And that's the sort of distressing, vivid details coming back, the sight, sounds, smells, images. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they can get triggered um, I see people like, I don't know why, but I washed my hands at my midwife's office and it was the smell of the soap. Maybe that brought them back to that vivid, mm. distressing details or mm -hmm. sitting up at night, remembering those. So the intrusions are there, negative mood or cognition, sort of that dread, or it can be apathy. It can be helpless, hopeless, just sort of detachment or guilt or over attachments more than more than likely sometimes with um, birth trauma nobody else can touch my baby um, sometimes comes up um, hyper arousal so that's sort of hard to concentrate hard to fall asleep which <laughs> after oh, yeah. you have a baby those are <laughs> high end in hand um, impatience irritability impulsivity anger anxiety that sort of when the nervous system is just sort of um, hyper aroused, it just has a hard time slowing down. And then the fourth trauma symptom is usually avoidance. Um, so that can be um, not going back for prenatal visits, driving around where the birth happened. So oh. like going a block or a few blocks out of the way, so I don't have to drive by there. Yeah. Um, avoidance, if you had a, your baby in the home, maybe not wanting to go hang out in that room very often. So that's where mm. the trauma symptoms look the same as any other trauma because they're, you know, pretty um, standard. However, because it happens in labor or birth, like we're talking about that primal part, it adds a different layer. And then most of the times people have a baby on the other side of that. So how do you navigate trying to connect with a tiny human? Um, and navigate these trauma symptoms from that primal brain. So it's it's such a, a tender time. Um, and I think, you know, I, I believe the stats are one in 10 people feel their birth was traumatic. Okay. Um, and the numbers are a bit lower. Those who, I, I believe it's one in four or one in six who actually are, can be diagnosed with um, postpartum PTSD, but that's because those symptoms have to last for six months or longer. Okay. So it's pretty, it's pretty common, um, but we're actually finding out so much more about why and where and how it's happening. Yeah. Um, that was kind of my, my thought on this. I mean, cause so many of these things I'm like, yep. Uh-huh. I experienced yeah. that. <laughs> like, oh, um, especially the one of like avoiding the provider. Uh, and I remember you mentioning that to me, You're like you have, you have to go get to your annual appointment. And I was like, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I still have it 
confession time. I still haven't gone. <laughs> I need to go. And this is making me realize that um, there's a little bit of avoidance going on. So all these things happen, and let's say one in 10. And getting a sense, like, do you, have you built a sense for the, or is there a common theme with certain types of events or like, because you said it can happen anywhere, but like factors that could potentially increase the potential for a traumatic experience. And I think obviously this is kind of where the doula work comes in. So Mm -hmm. we can kind of wrap those two together. Mm -hmm. Well, there are lots of, let me back up for a moment because just in perinatal, and I think um, you spoke to this in the last podcast, perinatal is, can be conception through the first year. I sort of see it as the first two years unofficially. Um, So that whole time of perinatal, there's lots of traumas that can be assessed during this time. Right. Mm. So birth is one of them, but sometimes it's infertility. And so then if somebody works with um, fertility challenges, they might have um, more vulnerability to trauma in birth. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, Um, of course. History of loss or miscarriage, that Mm. sort of grief trauma that can happen. Um, medical and physical trauma, which is different, but sometimes connected with the birth trauma. So, um, I've worked with folks who've had other medical conditions come up during pregnancy, um, and or birth that some of them have nothing to do with birth. Um, and so any medical or physical trauma can add some vulnerability. Sometimes, um, perinatal trauma can actually happen in the postpartum as well. Um, so postpartum bleeding or right, some of the complications mm. that can come up that aren't super common, um, but nonetheless can happen. Also, people can have um, trauma with breastfeeding and chest feeding that can bring up a lot of feelings. So when we think about perinatal trauma, birth trauma is one part of that, but it, mm. it can be a, a lot bigger. Um, and then there's, of course, the disparities in the healthcare system. So if folks are, you know, involved with um, different cycles of oppression, so there can be racial disparity, income disparity, um, education disparity, um, trans and non-binary disparity in healthcare, there's so many structural places. So there, there's lots of ways that, um, just depending on what's happened in pregnancy and parenting, there can be more of a vulnerability for trauma in general, um, but birth trauma specifically, for sure. Um, so to go back to... Yeah, that no, that's like, a really good point with that. Yeah. Like, I mean, your whole, you carry everything that you've gone through mm-hmm. in your body, right? I learned that a lot from that book, um, uh, The Body Keeps the Score. Yes. And so all of these things that your just existence experiences you've gone through but past history like you were mentioning like infertility or loss or per, like care from doctor i'm just like all these factors can you yep. carry with you and therefore in a in a more vulnerable position where you're laboring and then i could just imagine how things can be triggered by that so i think that's a really good point that you brought Abs- that up yeah, absolutely. Well, and and so, I'll, you know, one in three of us birthing have had past trauma of some kind. And I would say that's probably even pretty low estimate. Mm. So all of us going in 
have that vulnerability. And so I do work specifically with folks who um, know that they have a past, um, maybe physical abuse, sexual violence in their their past history, or in some can be medical trauma that they've gone through. Um, So helping to prepare the nervous system and the body Mm. before those things get triggered can be really useful. I um, worked with Selena Shelley when she um, was here in Boulder, Colorado, but she's one of the trainers by um, uh, Penny Simpkin around when survivors give birth. It's a really specific training on how to work with survivors um, preparing for birth. So there's several people in our area that do that and, and around um, the country um, really helping to slow it down. What is it that your body needs and how to advocate that for that and um, kind of crossing over into the doula birth worker world. I also would connect with birth workers and doulas who have been trained in this because there's some wisdom about having that trauma-informed lens in the birth room and Mm. sometimes also not having it be the same person who knows the trauma. So as a psychotherapist, I might do this work with somebody who has a trauma history and then I give to that person so they can give to their birth team, you know, here are things that might be triggering and here are ways we can work with it, but they don't know why. or what, you know, they don't have to know the details of it because it's sometimes not helpful to have that knowledge in the birth room. Interesting. And so as a, as a um, psychotherapist, I can help kind of flush out, well, what happened and how could that be triggering? And I might know more of the details, but also then being on the other side of that as a birth doula, um, where another um, trained therapist would give me the list and I would go into the birth and do all the things. And sometimes they didn't even make sense um, and beautiful um, outcomes. I have one lovely example of on my list what, as a doula was keep a wheelchair in the room. And I, this person's able-bodied. This person is not having an epidural. I didn't know why. I didn't need to know why, but mm-hmm. we kept the wheelchair in the room. And at some point it got moved out because it was you know, getting kind of crowded in there and labor slowed down and we were trying to figure out what was going on, brought the wheelchair back in. I just put a little note, like if you need to take the wheelchair out, just talk with Genevieve at first. Um, and labor started right back up. No, nothing was mentioned. I don't even know if this person remembered the wheelchair was in there, like was tracking it, but said oh like unconsciously, then that baby was born like 45 minutes later. So there's a way that just letting the nervous system know that it's safe and seen and soothed can make such a huge difference um, in that. So I think I just talked about one one vulnerability, which was past trauma, Um, but it, it can make such a yeah. Big difference in preparing for that ahead of time. If people, you know, know that there's something that comes up, and I, I would also say a lot of times people don't even like, oh, I have past trauma, but it won't come up in birth until something happens, and mm. we see mm-hmm. that re-experiencing. So I think it's oh my gosh, yes, I have mm-hmm. chills from that wheelchair story because mm-hmm. I think there's just so much power in like that comfort that you mentioned. Like it's just. Mm-hmm. soothing the soul, whatever that looks like. And just, um, that's just such a beautiful example. Mm-hmm. And so will you explain the role of a doula yes. in all of this as we get closer to 
mm-hmm. talking about like that birth prep piece, like the doula is not a psychotherapist. You happen to be both, <laughs> yeah. but um, what would the role of a doula be in preparing a woman for or a birthing person in going, walking into this, this phase of life? Absolutely. Um, so I'll just mention, I'm starting to slowly shift my language from doula, which it took a long time for people to even know what that was. And now the language is shifting to birth worker um, oh, because okay. of doula's um, background, meaning servant or slave to a woman. Mm-hmm. And uh, for a long time, I was like, oh, but it's fine because I'm a white doula. It didn't impact me. And I'm starting to realize like that words matter um, in this one place that I have a lot of uh, attachment to. So you'll hear me using both simultaneously as I'm trying to even transition my language over. Um, so I think both are are welcome as this conversation keeps evolving. Yeah. Um, thank you for mentioning that. That yeah. I, I did know that that was, I looked up what a doula was. I was like, what's a doula? And got the definition was like, huh. Yeah. You know, like that's an interesting his, history yeah. <laughs> like lesson. Yeah. And I'm also trying to do more research into like, what do Greek women think about the word doula? And then there's some mixed reviews around that. So I'm, mm. I'm doing lots of research and trying to sort of dive more into it. But I um, got most of my education around it from Soul to Soul Sisters in Denver and their um, organization called Seed birth worker, um, seed to seed birth workers. I should look that up. Um, but they're an amazing group of black women, um, birth workers, and they've been changing their, um, um, language from doula to birth worker. So I've been learning a lot from them and and have a lot more to, to learn about. Um, and so what doulas and birth workers can help with, um, let me just back up by talking about what is a doula and birth worker. So as we've talked about, it has the words are from um, Greek um, meaning slave or servant to women in um, specifically in labor is how it got coined here. Um, Coined isn't the right word, but um, how it got um, started to be used here in North America. Um, And really the role of doula is to help support the birthing family, not just the birthing person, um, and really provide education, um, physical comfort, emotional support. Um, and then if in a hospital setting advocacy, and I find as a doula Mm. doing home and birth center work that I typically don't have to do the advocacy as much because it's usually a, a more intimate setting that um, everybody is more connected, um, but advocacy more in the um, hospital setting. And so what that can look like with a doula or birth worker is helping to create what a lot of people call birth plans. I tend to, because I'm pretty trauma informed, I've been doing this work for a long time. I tend to call it a birth preference. What do you prefer? Because I don't think anybody's going to say I prefer having Pitocin. And yet if that comes up, how do that doesn't mean the whole birth plan has been thrown out the window. Right. So there yes. will be always changes in a birth plan. And for folks like me, if there's a change in a plan, it feels like the plan went out the window. So even yep. some of the languaging of like, what's my preferences? I prefer low lights, but of course, if it's for my safety and my baby's safety, lights on is totally workable too. Right, right. Um, so I like, you know, uh, as a birth worker, a birth doula, to really help the families create a birth plan as well as the flexibility. What if things change? 
And so then there's a lot of vulnerabilities that you are thinking about ahead of time. So maybe people are saying, I don't, I don't want the baby to go to the NICU. Of course, nobody's going to put that in their birth plan. And if they, that baby does need to go to the NICU, neonatal intensive care unit, what are the preferences? Like how, what are my options? Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Like what, that is so, it's so good. It's like, what's your ideal scenario that you would like the most? And then something changes, here's your other ideal scenario with this situation. And then you make another ideal scenario, take the change as it comes, but be informed is what I'm hearing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as a psychotherapist, when people have more in-depth trauma that they want to suss out, I have a list of like 30 things that can happen in birth, home, birth center, or hospital. Um, 30 things. Let's check through this and just see are any of these potential um, activating topics. And then we come up with some strategies to work with them. So it's a, it, there's a way to prepare for that ahead of time. If you know, you're aware of that or need that or want that. Um, and I think another risk factor that comes up with birth trauma is a lot of is feeling powerless. Mm-hmm. And that comes around communication, informed consent, um, the t- the um, doctor, nurses, midwife talking about me, but not to me. Sometimes I hear, you know, people say, I felt like something is happening to me, but not mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. me. So feeling that lack of support or reassurance in delivery um can be a, a risk factor for birth trauma. So having a birth worker or doula there can really help people to feel more empowered. Um, and, and a really skillful doula who's been at it a while might say things like, I heard you didn't want Pitocin and I see them loading up the Pitocin in the needle. Do you guys want to talk about this for a minute? Just to slow things down. So my mm-hmm. job as a birth worker or a doula is to not question or like tell people or not um, to not tell people what they can and can't do. Um, it's to really help slow things down when it's possible. And sometimes a provider might say, we don't actually have time to talk about this. Then we know this is an absolutely mm-hmm. needed intervention versus, right. oh, right. We don't have informed consent. Here's what happens, you know. Um, uh, and that's, I'm thinking more of um, Pitocin and postpartum situations is usually not um it's, it's more time sensitive. And so you might not have to have a, might not be able to have a conversation, but if you can feel in that moment, some power around, we don't have time to talk about it, but this is really medically necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, that can change the, um, the experience of powerlessness too informed. Right. And so having a doula to kind of know what's going on and tracking the whole thing where a partner is going to be so connected, hopefully to their their partner who's birthing to the baby that they shouldn't have to be tracking all the things that are happening in the room. Right. And so the birth partner really should be like the most supportive person in the room to the birthing person. Their job is to like, they are most trusted, well-known, hopefully um, by the birthing person and that they can look at them and just feel that rock and that support from them. And that Ultimately, the birth worker or doula's job is to help that person feel confident and have all the tools they need. So, you know, I what may have been like behind my daughter in love, handing my son the water bottle, saying, Why don't you offer her some water? He gives her the water. Mm-hmm. 
so then you know she's like oh thank you this was how did you know i needed water and he can feel more confident cuz he's not going to be tracking that everything there's so much going on mm-hmm. that's such a good point cuz i've heard people say why would i need a doula when i have my partner that's right um, but and the reality is if a doula has experience to your point they can track things that a partner especially of a first time um, birthing person could never under you know hold all that capacity. The capacity is just too big. Yeah, <laughs> like, all new. Yeah. Um, and each birth is so different for every yes. every baby. So I love the way you're kind of separating, but saying it's all a team effort here. But we just have yeah. different skill sets that we're bringing to the room. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I would say as a doula and birth worker, when a a midwife or an OB would walk in the room, they're like, oh, thank goodness you're here because then they're not taking care of the emotional needs. They know they're going to get the, their patient's going to get the physical support, the emotional needs. They can just focus on their clinical. Zero in. Right. Yes. Because that's another one I've heard. Why would I need a support person? Isn't that what my midwife or OB is there for? Um, And everyone has like their really highest important role to do. And if you think about like the midwife or OB and a lot of the births and um, birth settings might have many patients, you know, to navigate and the nurses as well. And so we're taking, you're kind of separating everyone's uh, niche (laughs) and Mm -hmm. and giving that person that focus. And Mm -hmm. that just sounds like such a more pleasant experience than having expectations of a midwife to be the emotional support and the, um, you know, medical taking care of the medical side and keeping track of all the other things there's that there's going on. And it helps um, boost the trust in the whole system. So if I feel a lot of trust with the provider and I can can help convey that to the, the um, client, then they're going to feel more trust. Right. And so perceived lack of trust is another sort of risk factor for birth. So if they don't feel like they can trust their team and maybe like, oh, when I see this person in the office, I trust them, but then something happens in birth and it, something reminds me of something. So kind of help that the doula birth worker can help bridge any of those gaps of like, maybe the OB is short. I'm thinking about one birth in particular. She was very short for some reason. And I knew her enough to know that's not typical in the the client was like also saying, boy, that's not been my experience of her. And I said, because it's not either of our experiences, maybe she just has something else going on right now and that she'll come back. And sure enough, she came back the next time she was really present. She, you know, was really um, patient and kind, like all of us knew. So sometimes it can even help process when things go awry just a little bit too. Um, that support and reassurance, um, that's really consistent. And, uh, the statistics used to be really clear around doulas, I think, because at some point kind of anybody could say they were a doula, especially through, um, uh, the pandemic people just, um, they said only professional doulas could be in there. So lots of grandmothers, um, and aunties became doulas kind of overnight. Um, but the, the statistics is that it decreases the amount of pain medication needed. Uh, it doesn't take it away because sometimes it's still, that's the right choice. Mm-hmm. Um, it can decrease cesarean birth rates. It increases partner 
um, bonding and baby bonding and ultimately can decrease um, postpartum anxiety and depression, which I think when it's the right um, right provider or right uh, doula birth worker, that it's some of it is that it can decrease birth trauma. There's not mm-hmm. studies on that, but that's my guess about why why does you know the experience postpartum um, benefit so much from that? And some of it is that they help provide you know education and the birth preferences and birth plans. They're there supporting and helping the whole family feel supported. And they're also talking about what does postpartum look like? How do we set you up for success? So our, in my um, uh, birth doula work, I would spend an entire session just like, how do we also plan for postpartum? And then we would do at least one postpartum visit where we're processing the birth story, kind of planting those seeds of what we saw of strength, um, and then helping to make sure their birth, their postpartum preferences are also being met. So we're thinking not just about the birth. Yeah. The education piece feels so, so um, important with coming to the birth preference than even just understanding and giving, you know, the support of what postpartum can and could look like just like a little bit of someone who really has seen all of this and <laughs> just mm-hmm. saying, here's what we can expect. Here's what we might expect. Just so none of it can, I mean, you're minimizing surprise or um, mm-hmm. that feeling of what's wrong with me. I didn't expect this. Mm-hmm. It's like, let's, let's take this from my very proactive uh, approach. Yep. And and to that point of there are so many unexpected things in pregnancy, well, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and really <laughs> maybe parenting. all of parenting. Yeah. <laughs> early parenting, but like maybe all of parenting. Yeah. Um, there are so many unexpected. And so it's I I think it's move. I think the work that we can do is move from how do I expect all the things? Mm-hmm. to how do i know i'm not i'm going to be surprised but have the the flexibility to work with the yes. changes or like maybe there are some changes that like no that's really not appropriate um and they um being able to have a professional kind of echo that sometimes it's being flexible um, in that you know, letting things be different or change. And sometimes it's sta- stating like, I'm not going to tolerate being treated mm-hmm. this way. Like there's a boundary. <laughs> there's mm-hmm. a, there's a, like a, a boundary here or um, a limit at a certain point yeah. for some people. And I think that's like a really important thing, just like a general thing to bring up, like the, the maternal healthcare system, <laughs> yeah. um, the ways that it has evolved. Uh, it's interesting to like read the history of uh, obstet- obstet- I can never say that word obstetrics <laughs> um, because that wasn't their OBs are you know newer people have been birthing forever um, and the like there's been this passed down wisdom and at some part it just became very medicalized and um, I think what's interesting to me now is just the way I hear birthing people in this country um, blindly or 
like the trust in the medical system for birth, like the, like the hospital is the safest place when statistically, I don't think that's mm-hmm. founded or I would never birth without an OBGYN there, which is like the high risk surgery side when like birth doesn't always have to be so medical, I guess. I don't know. I'm like kind of going on a tangent, but <laughs> just the way that um, we've lost some of this passing down of knowledge and we we assume a hospital is the safest place for birth when I'm pretty sure, and correct me if I'm wrong, that it actually has shown that there's more likely to be intervention and cesareans in this country in particular, like at the highest rate of any developed country. That's right. What are your take, what are your thoughts on all that? Yeah. I, um, I think both as a psychotherapist and a doula that's been involved, I, I'm there are the, it's the right place for the right person. I don't, um, I think the research in almost all countries, including ours, is that birth is safe in lots of different places. We have maybe gotten too far in the medical um, model that says all births should be in one place or way, Um, but that when you're at low risk, being at home or being at a birth center is incredibly safe. And that's Mm -hmm. gotten lost along the way. Um, And there are certainly times and places and people who feel safer and have more trust in a hospital setting. And so I think there's um, it, when we have choice, that's always my highest definition of health is when we have choice. Mm-hmm. And so if my family and I choose to birth wherever feels right and safe, that's going to help that family to feel um, empowered. They're going to have more collaboration. They're going to have more trustworthiness. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I think making sure that all options are available to all birthing families is what's really important. And I think we've gotten, um, there have been, I don't know in Boulder County as much. Um, I think they're very open to whatever's needed and how do we support the family where they're at, but definitely having worked in other places, there is uh, like hospital midway or a hospital and an OBGYN is the only way. Um, so you know, I think there's a, a wide variety of ways that it can be. And I know I grew up um, and lived some time in a state in which home birth was illegal. Mm. And um, if you tried a home birth and had to get medical care at a hospital, your kiddo would be taken away um, because oh you committed a crime. And that I don't believe is, I, I would have to check actually. I'm not sure that that's um, now legal in any state anymore. Um, but I grew up in that that time frame, and so. I think the the availability of home birth and birth centers and hospitals is important for everyone. And so to keep all those options, they are all safe in different components and ways. But again, the key components, safety, choice, collaboration, trustworthiness, and empowerment can happen in any of those locations as long as you get to choose. I um, love that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think both and. Yeah. And even like, would that fall under the education piece of what a doula can do? Like helping an individual navigate what level of risk is perceived for um, their birth and then 
deciding what feels most aligned. Cause like to your point, I, I really don't know. I know in Boulder, I feel like we live in a little, in a unique place in that way Mm -hmm. where, um, I was aware of my options eventually, but at first I, I was not. And I, I don't know that, that I, I appreciate living here because I know that I have options, but I don't know that that's the same for everyone. So it's just, um, it's nice that a doula also works for, you know, setting up those preferences, what feels the most safe? Mm. Well, here's what, or, you know, say you have a high risk scenario and here's what the options look like now. And I know for me, like I, I ended up being a high risk birthing person <laughs> you might, all of a sudden out of like, it just happened in a matter of like 20 minutes. All of a sudden I was, right. um, things changed, but where I lacked feeling like I was being a part of this, the narrative was that I hadn't prepared for any <laughs> high risk scenario, mm-hmm. any hospital scenario. And, um, just to say from my own personal experience, um, being in the middle and in the midst of trying to bring a baby into the world in a way that had not been on my top preference list and actually nowhere on my <laughs> birth, uh, preference list, it, it really is disorienting to not know, okay, what Absolutely. what now are my options? How am I going to feel about this? Or like, I just think there's so much benefit and value to just a little preparation. And I know people that don't like to prepare and have just been like, I just wanted to walk into birth and let my body do it, you know, whatever. And that's, that's so wonderful. And, and there might be other people that um, would actually, and that's like my little preach moment is like, I so yeah. wish I had planned for the unexpected because you just really don't know. And, um, you know, understood what a doula's role was and a birth worker's role was in mm-hmm. all of this. And it's not just, um, even for the labor, it's like, it's the whole perinatal period. <laughs> You're just kind of setting up for the most success that you can and in, in individualized care. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, and there's so much work we can do, um, in the pregnancy time, right? So the midwives, home birth midwives or a birth center midwife will tell you when you risk out. So you don't usually have to worry about that part. They'll be, you know, they'll let you know, this isn't the safest option for you. Um, and I think having a birth worker and doula, I'm really biased. So let me back <laughs> up and just say the only births I've ever been at, um, besides when I was born, had a doula at them because either yes. I was birthing and had a doula or I was at 450 births in which I was the doula. So every birth I've ever been to has a doula. And typically people um, will say, how do you do it without a doula? So I'm I'm quite biased. <laughs> yeah. um, but that whether you're at home, birth center or hospital, th- that person can help you to transition. Um, and so some of those connections and conversations you have pre-labor are being able to sort of pull on what have you been flexible in your life before and how can we implement that as needed here? Mm-hmm. And that's going to be, again, whether you don't change locations, um, because we can't be prepared for all the things. We've just, there's just, I've been in so many births and I 
literally still finds things that I'm like, wow, I didn't know that was possible. And there's some comfort, I think, when I've been to that many births, when people hear that, they're like, oh, if you don't know that, then we don't have to know this, right? Right. Like, I usually will say there's a book, probably we could make a book of, I don't know, maybe a couple of feet thick of how many things can go wrong, but we only need one or two pages, hopefully out of that book. Mm-hmm. It, it does not make any sense to study that whole book, right. but to have a team of people who know the book well enough to know how to get the right support. Mm-hmm. Um and my, I have three things after watching so many births and watching so many people in um, bearing witness to their their healing process and uh, as a psychotherapist, the three things that help seem to help people have the most satisfying birth experiences is to have a team that they feel truly deeply satisfied uh, supported, and uh, the second is to. Um, use the strengths you already have. So if somebody comes in, they're really high energy and they say, I want a very Zen birth. I might like, well, <laughs> let's, let's look at what your strengths are and how to work with it from that perspective. I so love use that. The, yeah. Right. Use the strengths you already have and um, have flexibility. Right. So those three components seem to me like they cultivate a satisfying experience with birth. I don't mean successful birth because we don't, I don't have a definition of what that means, but to feel satisfied after the birth experience, really feeling supported, having flexibility and using the strengths you already have are the, the key that the keys that I continue to see over and over. I love that. Thank you for sharing those. That, was, that would have been a good question. <laughs> How do people, what have, from all of your experience, have you ever experienced, um, I, this is my social media like brain. Mm-hmm. I saw some nurses or, or I don't remember if it was an OBs or whatever. And they were sort of, oh, there's a doula here. Like, have you ever yes. experienced any of that? Like, yes. I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, because again, the doula and birth worker training is not standardized. And so I believe sometimes doulas come in because their own birth was not great. And they maybe had, let's give an example of a loss of control. And so then they bring in wanting a sense of control or having the parent control it. Um, and then it just gets sort of comes out sideways. Mm-hmm. I, nobody means any harm. They mean to be supportive, but there can be the like birth happens one way and it happens in this mm-hmm. specific way. I'm not seeing that as frequently now with the doulas, but it used to be right. My, I also worked with newer and aspiring doulas that a lot of times I would work with them one-on-one to kind of unpack some of their own trauma. So they're not bringing it in right. that secondary trauma. Um, and sometimes they'll f- the fighting against the medical institution, like epidurals are bad, epidurals are bad. Well, maybe that epidural is needed. And how do we have that flexibility to just ask some questions and be curious? Mm-hmm. And so I think the 
again, this is sort of uh, long ago and far away in my brain, but um, the, there used to be sort of this natural birth as this really specific way. And it was only, birth was only quote unquote good if it happened in this quote natural way. Um, but I, I think I'm watching the doulas and birth workers now be really much more flexible, which it, that's not only helpful for the birthing person, but also for their team yeah. to just say what's needed in this moment and how do we support what's needed, but not extra right. um, interventions. And so I think there can absolutely, and I would hear it too, um, like, oh, we don't usually let doulas this, do this, but because you've been a doula a long time and I know you, like I have a really, I think pretty good reputation here. Um, it was one of the things doing, becoming a doula or a birth worker in another place where people didn't know me. I was like, they don't know that I'm not here to like to push your own agenda, <laughs> yeah. push my own agenda. Exactly. Um, and I think again, when doulas and birth workers feel supported, use their strengths and are flexible that mm. also, right. And, and I would say the um, whole birthing team. The nurses right now are so overloaded and oh. so stressed out yeah. um, that their secondary trauma is there, right? Like they are not getting the support they need. And I would say the same with midwives, OBs, mm-hmm. the whole medical community right now is really suffering. Yeah. And so um, there's a, a couple of other um, professionals and I that are working together to create presentations on how to work with our own secondary trauma as birth workers. Um, how do we also get the support that we need? What's going to help? You know, there's not a lot of education in the systems um, standardized yet around trauma informed support. How do we prevent it? How do we intervene if it's happening in the room? And then when it does happen, how do we um, repair some of that? the harm that was ha- that happened in the nervous system so we're tr- doing some trainings to help prevent this mm. um, ripple the ripples of trauma within the perinatal field because i think we all can do better when we're supported oh my gosh absolutely yes it's such a good point to bring up the just the healthcare system uh, yeah. the way it's set up it's just we we've seen especially after going through what we've gone through with covid and mm-hmm. seeing the way that's impacted nurses in particular i feel like just kind of stands out um that's a hard job and to put yeah. all of your needs as a individual who's walking into birth on medical staff or on the midwives or like it's it just feels like that there's there's too much already for them to carry um, and if we can kind of spread out the task to others and mm-hmm. to play to our strengths, it just that just feels so much more of like a system that is going to work in the in the ben- for the benefit of that person and their individual needs mm-hmm. as opposed to expecting something mm-hmm. bigger. Um, yeah, I love the way you put that. Um, we only have a few minutes left, but I wanted just to touch quickly, quickly on postpartum doulas. Mm-hmm. postpartum workers. I'm really struggling to switch that in my brain, but I'm really grateful for you saying that, um, that that's navigating because, um, again, something that I don't know that a lot of people know about. Yes. Absolutely. And like what that care can look like. I mean, once past the education piece, just what, yes. you know, what a postpartum worker can Abs- provide. Yep. Absolutely. 
This is so um, important and so beautiful. And and I think we spend as birth workers, that whole perinatal period, we spend so much, can spend so much focus on the birth and that that is not actually the finish line. Mm. It is the start line to parenting. (laughs) And so how to start not from a depleted place, right? That, but that you can be really nourished. And um, I feel like this could be a whole next step in your, in your podcast journey, because it, it, there's so much richness in the postpartum period, those first 40 days. And some cultures believe what we do in the first 40 days is how our body will respond in 40 years. Mm. Um, so if we want to be strong, vibrant parents, women, um, you know, grandparents potentially, <laughs> um, that we really want to take deep care of our body and nourish ourselves. And postpartum doulas, postpartum birth workers, yeah, that's a good question. I have to do more yeah. research on that, <laughs> what that, that name is now. Um, that in postpartum, those doulas and birth workers are worth their weight in gold. Um, to really replete the birthing person to support the whole family. Um, and, you know, it can be just the task of having somebody else do laundry and make meals and do a, maybe a massage or lactation consult consulting. It can be processing the birth experience, um, assessing for anxiety, depression in the postpartum time. So having sort of eyes, ears, hearts, and hands on the family that they're not having to do it alone. In our culture, we have to hire that out typically because it's not in our culture. I would say it's, um, in most indigenous cultures, it's part of that. There's different words and phrases. It's a fascinating study to look at what cultures have done around the first 40 days after having a baby for the, um, typically the birthing person in particular. Um, but it's not actually grandma and grandpa coming in to just hold baby. Um, that's actually the least thing that should happen because when baby and the parents are there skin to skin, it helps baby regulate so much. So we want all the support to go into the family, the birthing family, so that they can take care of their little one. And postpartum doulas and birth workers, again, worth their weight in gold because they do and have their eyes, ears, and hearts on so much of what's happening in the intimate moments of that household and how to support them. Um, yeah, it's it's a yeah. really precious and important time. Yes, and it's it's I it's such a wonderful thing uh, that exists <laughs> that people yeah. are just focused on post birth experience. And um, I I think there's that great book. Is it the first forty days or the fourth trimester? I don't both, remember what, or both. <laughs> both of those books are really good. Yeah. Absolutely, I know one of them definitely breaks down like that the cultural piece like here's how other cultures handle this um which was very eye-opening and then like actually having recipes that are generations long passed down Mm -hmm. from other cultures that say this is a way that you can help repeat I love that replenish um Mm -hmm. what was potentially depleted or no definitely depleted right no matter what Mm -hmm. you're leaving your birth depleted because you just literally made an entire person Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then that person leaves and that there's um, nutrients in particular that 
need yep. to be replenished in order for that strength and like yep. fire to come back. Um, Absolutely. So I love, 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 they, love that. They talk now, there's a uh, doctor in Australia, I mean, I've forgotten his name, but he wrote the postpartum or postnatal depletion book. Mm. And he says it takes seven to 10 years to replete <gasps> the body after having a baby. Um, it doesn't mean you don't have another baby before then, because 10 years apart is quite a gap for siblings, although it's fine. Um, but that you can certainly have another baby, but it can take your body that long to replete. Wow. Interestingly enough, I don't think this is an accident, but the research shows that a difficult or traumatic birth can take I'm sorry, a difficult or challenging birth can take um, five to seven years to integrate. A traumatic birth can take seven to 10 years to integrate. Wow. And so there's something that, that I want would love to have more research in that area. Like what yeah. makes that time frame similar to integrate those stories? Is it some based on the physiological repletion after having a baby? Is it, you know, what does our, our brain do with that timing? Um, it also is when we start to see um, the relationships have some challenges in couples after having a baby. Um, and so the other thing I really wanted to bring back and name is partners can also have a difficult time with the birth. Yes. And so giving them the support afterwards as well, that it's not just the birthing person, but how to reintegrate. So typically when I'm seeing somebody postpartum with birth trauma, I'll offer at least one session with the birth partner to kind of reintegrate that experience. Um, or sometimes just a session separately with them, or sometimes, you know, partners or dads will come in um, asking for that. Um, without their their birth partner, the mom might have felt fine about it. I'm thinking about one family in which the dad was really traumatized, and the mom felt totally fine. Mm. Um, so uh, you know, everybody gets to have their own experience. But when we can come together, it actually can make that relationship stronger. And there's nothing better for a baby than to have, you know, a strong relationship between the adults. Um, yes. And so, really putting the relationship at the center of the family and allowing for those two folks to have that protective factor of going through something intense and being on the same team around it. I love that you named that. And that for us was so huge because I, we worked with you and Adam and I had a session with you. And I remember turning to him and being like, how, how was that for you? You know, like I was so mm -hmm. focused on my own experience. And I think he was too. So just like a personal note on that. Even after we left your, our um, session with you, Genevieve, we continued that conversation to say, how was it being the partner of my partner while we went through that experience? And what was, is there anything lingering? And it just opened up such a good conversation for us to allow space for Adam to process, right? Which like yes. it totally, I honestly hadn't occurred to me. I was so wrapped up in it. And mm -hmm. I love that you're naming that. I mean, the experience is, is very much happening to everyone involved. And I, I definitely have met um, couples. And um, it just happened to me last week, actually, or, or two weeks ago, where we were kind of exchanging, oh, like the birth story, little tidbits. And and this woman said to me, yeah, I think my husband had a harder time than I did with recovery. Like truly, I mean, physically I, I was recovering, but emotionally and, uh, you know, mentally 
navigating what he had witnessed and and felt like he was very out of control um, and unable to support in the way that he wanted all those things. And it just gave me such compassion for the mm. partners of the birthing people, <laughs> who, who, what they go through. So I'm so, so happy that you mentioned that, mm. that piece too. And, and you don't, you know, there's, there's people who like you, Genevieve, who offer support um, for anything that comes up and you never have to go through an experience and feel like you're left on your own to process or to reintegrate <laughs> into the world. And you don't have to do any of this alone. And in fact, you're probably not supposed to, right? Yeah. We're not supposed to just live in isolation and figure everything out on our own. That's right. Yep, absolutely. The, the one other piece, it's why I love this work so much that I want to make sure to touch on and talk about because I can get really excited when talking about birth trauma. And it always seems so weird because somebody just went through something traumatic. And I realized finally what happens is I get to see so much growth that people do because of trauma. And they, the, the name for it is post-traumatic growth. Mm. And this happens, um, I think the five markers, I'll see if I can remember them, um, that there are new possibilities. There's a change in relating to others. And that's where I think you're mm. saying like the relationship with partners can be deeper after that, mm-hmm. right? Finding your own personal strength. And we talked about that as a, a protective or prevention factor too, but it, it's an indicator of post-traumatic growth. Sometimes there's a spiritual change and then there's a deeper appreciation for life. Mm. So with those five indicators of um, PTG, post-traumatic growth, that's what I get to see. Like I got to Mm. see the look on your face or see the connection with you and Adam, like that growth and change came from something that was really really troubling and challenging. And you came out through this other side and I get to see so many families who are stronger after it. So it doesn't Mm. always mean it's bad. It can mean deeper growth. It just can take a while to get there. So I'm so deeply involved and interested in both the prevention, but also the healing of it, of um, trauma from any perspective. And you can so tell that you are Genevieve. Like, I feel like you have this way, like, I feel like I'm hugged (laughs) when I talk to you about this. I feel like you are offering such like the energy you put out in this space is so tender and loving and understanding and like kind of, it's just so wonderful. And I know Mm. that has left an impact on me, obviously. And everyone in the mom group, which we didn't even touch on, but you also, um, as part of your bio, I'll explain that you also run a weekly mom support group and just the way that you have helped people navigate this. It's just, it's amazing. So mm-hmm. I'm so grateful for the way that you broke everything down for us today and what we got to talk about and just the fact that you exist. It just feels so wonderful to know you. Um, and have actually benefited directly from all the experience that you have. And I know people listening to this, this might just open the door for individuals to to kind of rethink the way they're preparing for birth or postpartum and just understanding what those resources are, all of the above. Mm. Uh, so thank you so much for your time today. Absolutely. I'm um, so grateful for you and your story and your journey and how other people get to keep learning from it and how 
all of us get to grow when we talk about the challenging stuff and that people can get better with support. Mm. People can thrive and um, grow. Yeah. And, and it just, it kind of takes the fear out of you go through hard things. Like I know for me, just, just talking through that last bullet point on, um, post-traumatic growth. I mean, just the humanness of this all, right. And just knowing that everybody goes through things in life at different phases and just understanding that coming out on the other side, stronger and more yeah. empathetic and more like all these things, even spiritual, all, I can relate to so many of these, just a new understanding, a new lens, a new appreciation. Um, once you work through the parts that maybe feel stuck or feel, um, there's, there's so much I can come on the other side. And so mm-hmm. nobody is, is doomed or, um, you know, there's just so much potential that can come from working through hard things and, mm-hmm. um, and so much potential impact for not working through them. So I think mm-hmm. it's, it's really powerful to look at it from that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, thank you. <laughs> my privilege, my honor. I just love that episode. What's not to love? And if you did too, I can head over to iTunes and go to not another wellness podcast and leave me a rating and a review. That would be so awesome. Very, very grateful for this discussion and hoping to continue it more in the future with others. And I hope you share this podcast with a friend or a family member who you think it would resonate with. Thanks always for being a listener. I so appreciate you. Have a good one.